0: QC Pod is a production of the Queen's Podcast Lab. This is QC Pod, I'm Jason Tugaw. QC Pod features the people, projects, movements, and ideas that make up the Queen's College community. To learn more, visit us at QueensPodcastLab.org slash QC Pod. Today we meet Ariel Francisco, poet and translator. Francisco has an MFA in poetry from Florida International University. His 2017 book, All My Heroes Are Broke, was named one of the best eight Latino books of 2017 by Rigoberto Gonzalez. His most recent book, A Sinking Ship is Still a Ship, is published in English and Spanish on Facing Pages, and is about his ambivalent relationship to Florida, where he was raised. Francisco is currently studying to earn his MFA in literary translation here at Queens College. His work has appeared in The New Yorker, The New Yorker Podcast, The Rumpus, The New York City Ballet, and Performance Today. Ariel and I discuss his new book, Florida Life, his translation work, including translating his father's love poems, and he reads several of his own poems for us. Ariel, welcome and thanks for doing this. So let's talk about Florida. Your new book's called *A Sinking Ship Is Still a Ship*, and it's all about Florida. Ostensibly, it's about how you hate Florida. Yeah. But it's also about how Florida's sinking. Yeah. And there's kind of an l quality to that, which makes me think there's some love there too.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's tough. Yeah, I did. You know, I always uh, people ask me if I grew up in Florida. I always say yes, unfortunately, because uh, I, you know, to I think I spent too too much time there for sure, um, and definitely grew to resent it. And the weird thing about the book is, I wrote poems in like twenty seventeen, um, some in twenty eighteen, uh, and I I only moved here, I moved to New York in May of twenty eighteen. So I, I wrote the book as a kind of, I like wrote my escape. You know, I like wrote it to, uh, into happening. Um, And so at the time it was very much, I've described it before as kind of, um, you know, I think maybe I described it to you this way before as as like a kid yelling at their like stepfather, you know, Mm. you're not my real dad is like feel towards Florida. Um, But the book having written it mostly while I was there, uh, it kind of had the energy of like running away from home. Like, you know, like the the mean note that you leave uh, for your parents to see and get out of here. Um, and so, but having the book come out while I'm not in Florida, I think is, is what's changed my relationship to Florida, uh, more so than writing them. Cause there's a lot of bitterness in the book. There's a lot of love too, but the, the love was more subconscious, I think, and and really didn't kind of come to the surface until I was no longer there. You know, I kind of like needed that space from it, um, in order to really see it. Cause I, I didn't see it at first, even though there is definitely in the poems and people have pointed it out to me and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I do. You know, it is, it is very much, you have to love a place a lot in order to, uh, criticize it in, in the kind of ways that I do, you know, I want it to be better is what I want for Florida, you know?
0: Did you grow up in Miami?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, i moved. Well, it's complicated. I moved to Orlando, uh, from new york when i was like five um and then when my parents divorced my dad stayed in orlando we moved to miami uh in 2001 so i was 11 um mostly in north miami in a place okay. called Carroll city uh but i also ended up going to school in the county over in the suburbs of fort lauderdale on a place called hollywood florida which is one of the stranger places that you could ever go um and then yeah when i was in college they moved further down uh, in in Miami, Miami, so it's kind of a little over South Florida, but yeah,
0: yeah. I I know the area well. I have relatives who live in Lake Worth.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lake Worth is a strange place. I've been up. They have like a tiny music venue that I used to go to all the time and watch like these indie rappers coming from like Minneapolis or something to play in front of you know forty people in Lake Worth. <laughs>
0: Yeah, my niece and nephew grew up there, and they just got used to, like, from an early age, they'd be at a party and, like, somebody would pull out a gun. Yeah, yeah. Along the lines of the love conversation we were having, spend your time and energy writing a whole book about a place. There's got to yeah, be a lot of feeling Yeah, yeah, there.
1: absolutely. Um, and it really, it started in in my first book, actually. So, the you know, the first book is in two parts. The first part is mostly poems in New York. Uh, And the second part is in Florida and the Florida poems just kept like something happened. They just kind of kept coming and coming and I was like, all right, hold on this, Mm. you know, if I keep writing these, this book is going to be disproportionate. There's another project going on here. Yeah. yeah, And it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a bunch of emotions in in the book for sure. Um, But it really started in like the negativity. It started in like, you know, and just like, I hate it here. You know, it has, it's kind of, I don't know if angsty is the right word, but that's kind of how I felt. You know, there's this it's not immature either, but it's definitely like I've had enough. I need to get out of here, you know, instead of starting like a punk band. I, I wrote Well, a
0: poems <clears throat> you're going to read one of the poems for us, and I don't know which one it is. And I'm really curious to find out which one you chose and when how that represents how you feel about the place and about the book
1: sure yeah um so i'm gonna read this one it's called ruins of earliest church in america discovered in florida um and i took that title from a headline so presumably it's true i didn't kind of fact check it um and this was in 2017 when we had a pretty bad uh hurricane season yeah so ruins of earliest church in america discovered in florida Hurricane Matthew missed us but really fucked up St. Augustine, tore out a shopping mall to reveal a 500-year-old skeleton, folded arms pressed against his chest, head facing east, staring down the storm that let the air wash over him once again. Is there anything more Florida than being buried under a church that will be buried under a shopping mall that will be ripped open by a hurricane named after one of the Twelve Apostles? All I know is I don't want to die here, but if I do, bury me so deep that no one ever finds me. Listen, I know you can't dig very far into the Florida ground, but please promise me that when your shovel breaks the final limestone and splashes dark water, you'll keep digging. Um, yeah, so that, that poem I think is doing kind of both things. It's like very much hating on it, but it's also kind of, you know, if I'm buried in Florida, I'm buried in Florida. Like that that would be very poetic justice for me, you know, to just be like buried as deeply as possible uh, in this place that I'm kind of saying that I hate, but really kind of being okay with, with being trapped there uh, and the absurdity of it. I mean, that was like a real thing. They found like this, like 500 year old church um, buried under a mall, which is like, there's nothing more Florida than that. You find like this dude, you know, buried, uh, in a a strip mall which is when I think of Florida I think of strip malls and I hate them now whenever I'm here in the city and I see a parking lot I get like flashbacks to Florida I can't even look at a parking lot Um,
0: yeah there's something about the mall over the church that is I think really characteristic of your style where a lot of the locations are like parking garages and malls and bars and the language you know you start off by you know, with the word fuck and we're just talking about a hurricane and it sounds like headlines from a newspaper almost, but then you get to this image of the skeleton that's intensely lyrical. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering, is that just what comes out of you? Do you think about the relationship between the kind of very conventional and colloquial and conversational and the, and those lyrical moments? Is it something you plan or does it just happen?
1: Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. So when I when I was in undergrad um, and kind of started taking uh, poetry more seriously and, and thinking about it, um, that was something that my teachers pointed out to me. They always, you know, they were like, oh, the lyricism in the poem is like really strong. And I, I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> um, and so when I, at first, when I tried to think about it deeply, I lost it. You know, I was like, oh, let me like hone in on this and then try to write a poem like that. And it wouldn't work. Um, so if there's anything that I'm like good at, I guess it is kind of sort of naturally thinking about the, the lyric quality, like the sonic quality. Um, and that's something that I tell my students now. So when, now I can do it before, when I thought about it too much, I kind of wasn't able to do it, but now I've, I've figured it out a little bit. Um, so I just think of it as a as, uh, lyrical logic or sonic logic. If I'm trying to pick a word, sometimes it's, it's the meaning of the word, right? You want to be specific, but sometimes it's the sound. So I look at the other words in the line and I'll say, okay, I need, you know, an S sound would work really well here or um, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely a little bit of both, but it's something that I that I was doing that I didn't realize I was doing. And then when I realized I was doing it, I couldn't do it. And then I kind of had it, and then I came back to being able to do it consciously. So now it's become, I guess at first it was maybe a talent but now it's like a skill.
0: And when I read your poetry, I always get reminded that the world is full of lyrical moments and images, right? And that we tend to kind of take them for granted or overlook them. Yeah. And I feel like your po. so one thing I love about your poetry is it reminds me to pay attention to that stuff, right? You Can be walking down the sidewalk in New York and notice like the most beautiful lyric thing happening between two people or just on a building or whatever, you know, it can be anywhere.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and that's something I think I, I learned from Frank O'Hara because, you know, I was just mm. like and that that was another thing that that I hated about Florida is like I was always in my car. There's like several poems in here also about mm. you in the car and being like frustrated because you can't. like, you can't think it doesn't, you know, kind of driving takes a lot of mental energy. I know that kind of sounds absurd, but you have to pay attention especially in Miami, because people don't know how to drive. So you have to make sure that no one's going to kill you while you're driving 40 minutes to work. Right. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of energy. Whereas here, even if it's hot and it's like the subway is smelly and, and, I, you know, I get, I'm still free to like observe and think. Um, and it, it saves a lot of mental energy. That's the one thing, despite, you know, I do love Florida, but the biggest thing, not having to drive has been like incredibly healthy for my, creative brain because it i can use it pretty much all the time now yeah 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 absolutely so
0: a sinking ship still a ship is published in both english and spanish with parallel facing pages yep. um, and i just be curious to hear first of all why it was important for you to publish in both languages yeah, yeah, yeah. And also what the process of making that happen was yeah. like.
1: Yeah, um, it's something I always wanted to do. Uh, the process was always mysterious to me. Like, I, you know, I had no idea how to go about it. Um, mm-hmm. Getting a, a book of poems published is like hard enough, you know, and I, I, didn't, yeah. I, I didn't really know <laughs> yeah. what to do. No. Um, so the I won't get super into it, but, but A Sinking Ship is Still a Ship was supposed to come out with the press that put out All My Heroes Are Broke. And we had a little bit of a falling out um so it was actually supposed to come out in in the spring of 2018 um hmm. or no in the fall it was supposed to come out in 2018. no 2019 i get mixed up it it, it got delayed a year because i had to withdraw it um and i was fortunate enough to find Burrow press was based out of orlando um so i kind of took a you know i just kind of queried them and they they're really excited about it because it was like a florida book um and I, yeah, I just pitched the idea of doing it bilingually. I really wanted my dad to translate it, um, but he works very slowly. Um, I'm not calling my dad lazy. I would never <laughs> do that. But you know, I know where where I get that from now. Um, he's translated some of my poems into Spanish um, from from my first book, but because of the the timeline was kind of. Kind of jammed up given that they sort of picked it up uh and we wanted it to to be out by this year um so i pitched the idea uh and ryan who, who runs World press was really into it uh and so he kind of gave me a time frame you know he's like can you find someone by this date and could they get it done by this date uh and that way um we could do it so i just kind of put it out there on twitter um and nico got back to me and he he even translated he translated my poem that was in the New Yorker as like, uh, which isn't in the book. Um, but he did that as kind of like a pitch, you know, and he's like, here's my translation of one of your poems. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, would you be able to do it in this yeah. time frame? And he got us a draft. Absolutely. Like, I mean,
0: I think that's oh, one wow. reason New York was, like, is incredible. Good for artists yeah, was, and still good really for artists, good artists even. Incredible. you know. Yeah, this is uh, he's credited as Jose Nicolas Cabrera Schneider. That's who you're talking about, Nico? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By Nico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah and it was I mean it was phenomenal and then the the editing process was really interesting um cuz I speak and I can read in Spanish but it was kind of like really bizarre uh to edit my yeah. own poems in a different language um and being a translator you know I didn't want to I wanted him to like do whatever he had to do I did there were very small edits just some things that were um like translated uh, kind of literally, you know, there are like a couple of misunderstandings, not quite um, creative changes, which like, I'm totally fine with. Um, yeah, it was fun. And it was interesting. And it was, it was just kind of just, it was fascinating. And then it, I mean, the, the book ended up like, just being absolutely beautiful. And it's, you know, because it's, it's Florida, and it's Miami, there's so many Spanish speakers there. And it was, it was really cool um, to have that. So like, you know all my friends down there got it but like a few of them bought it for like their parents and their grandparents just because they can read in spanish it's
0: it's definitely a beautiful object and it's actually fantastic for queen's college i'm planning to teach it in the fall and you know we have so many spanish-speaking students and it just feels really nice to be able to give them a book that's in both languages in an english class
1: yeah yeah um yeah and they they did such a great job um Yeah, it's, it's, and it's a small press, you know, but they did, they did work that you might not find from a bigger press. I mean, and we paid Nico, you know, we managed to get money to, to pay him to translate it, um, which, you know, is, is hard to do. Translators, poets don't get paid. Translators of poetry, even less so. Um, and then we paid my, my buddy George to do the cover art, which, which I really love. And he's, you know, he's been a friend of mine since, since like ninth grade. So I just gave him a vague idea and he, you know, I didn't even tell him to put my cat there, and he like he knew to <laughs> That's put so it on the boat. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's really fantastic the whole. Thing.
0: Well, I love to hear about artists getting paid. Yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah, 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 especially these days.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about your
0: translation a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: so you're studying literary translation in in the MFA program in creative writing here at Queens College. Yep. Right. Yep. And I know you have a couple of at least a couple of translation projects going. Yeah, Maybe just tell us first about what those are.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Queens is great being there. Actually, you know, I should have mentioned this earlier, getting into the program is what got me out of Florida. Um, so, <laughs> so that was, that was great. Um, my, my big project, uh, which is my thesis um, is the, the poetry of a guy named Jacques view Renal, which I'm certainly mispronouncing that. Um, he was born in Haiti. He grew up in the Dominican Republic um, in the fifties and sixties, uh, and he was killed during the revolution in nineteen sixty-five. He was only he was twenty-three, which is like absolutely crazy to me. And wow. this, yeah, he left this body of work, um, a little more than a hundred pages of poems, uh, which are you know they're they're really really good, um, and yeah, he's he's just incredible because he writes the the book that they put together is called Poet of One Island. And so he writes a lot about, um, you know, being Haitian, but growing up in the Dominican Republic and kind of having this divided home um, and trying to sort of reconcile it. Um, and then there's this, then there's the revolution in 1965, um, in which he was killed, but, you know, he's fighting for Dominican independence as, you know, as a, as a Haitian man. And there's, you know an entire history of violence from the Dominican Republic towards Haiti right so here's this guy fighting for a country that that really you know would not have fought for him um yeah it's really it's really sad but but really really powerful he's incredible um and i'm hoping i got my fingers crossed that that something is happening with that soon um yeah and uh what other projects i have another project, um, a young poet from Guatemala named Jaya Lopez, um, who's really fantastic. Uh, and her book, her book is so good. Um, I've been sending it out. That one I, I finished uh, and I've been sending it around. I'm hoping it find, finds a home soon. Um,
0: she's a contemporary poet.
1: Yeah she's, yeah, she's only a little younger than me. I think she's like 25 or 26. Um, and it's just really great. It's, it's kind of, it's not funny and like an outright kind of way, but it's very, I've described it as being like very millennial, you know, there's a lot of like anxiety, you know, she's like having a drink with mm-hmm. her friend. Like the friend is, you know, just like staring at his phone instead of like talking to her or, you know, it's, it has these, if if you didn't know she was from another country, like you wouldn't know, you know what I mean? It, it's something that would resonate with with kind of everyone. It's it's very mm-hmm. much kind of um, 21st century kind of young person having these problems in the world. Um, really the kind of the opposite of, of Renal, because Renal is very uh in the moment of of that revolution at the time uh and hers is is kind of like in the current moment um yeah it's it's really truly it's really cool i'm hoping something happens with that too but um i hope yeah. so
0: too because i want to read that
1: yeah yeah i'll send it to yeah. you yeah if you remind yeah. Me. yeah yeah i'll absolutely send it to you i'd love to read that yeah it's great and, she has a poem you know it's a poem that has a title in english and the title is like live fast die young you know, it's like, <laughs> like it's funny that somebody's writing that in Spanish, but the title's in English, and it's like this English cliche. But uh-huh. flip it that way is, is is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of Eve Babbitts in this way, where she was all about live fast, die young, except that she lived to be old. <laughs> anyway, but um, <laughs> what I also want to talk about is you translating your father's poetry, which it seems amazing, and I'm just curious to hear a little bit about how he approached his poetry and then when you started translating it and how it worked and how does that affect your relationship? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My dad, I think he always wrote poetry. I mean, his oldest poems are probably when he was like in his twenties. He came to the U S in, in 1979 would have been like 22. Um, And I think I have a poem. He has a poem that he wrote, like you know about his like departure he had like a lot of like mixed feelings about um about leaving the Dominican Republic and and coming here um yeah he was always it's very weird because i didn't we never really like interacted about that until i was like an adult like i didn't start writing poetry because my dad wrote poetry you know it was always kind of like this weird sort of it wasn't a secret that he had but you know uh it was very odd and then i kind of got into it on my own and he was like really excited about that.
0: Um so so he wrote his poems privately.
1: Yeah. 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 Um he had some published. He has like a I remember he still has it. It's like framed. He had like three poems in a in a newspaper I think in the Dominican Republic. And you know, he had it framed and you know it's in the house. Uh Um he still lives in the same house in Orlando. Um So, and I think it was always there, but it just, you know, it just never kind of came up in the house. My dad's house is like covered in books, like everywhere, you know? Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't really know why, why it never came up or why we never discussed it. He he didn't keep it a secret, but he also wasn't, maybe he wasn't writing at the time. His writing has kind of, it spanned a lot of years for sure. Um, And he still writes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's it like translating poetry your father wrote that, when maybe you may not even have known him yet you know you might not have been alive yeah, it's crazy right? uh
1: yeah. i wish i have it here somewhere so i asked him his he's very disorganized um, uh-huh. so i've been trying <laughs> to piece together like a first book for him um and he'll just send me you know some of it is in a word doc some of it is kind of a picture of a publication from somewhere some of it is like handwritten um but there's a poem that he wrote like on the day i was born you know, and that's like um, really, really wow. kind of bananas.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Um,
1: the poem. Yeah. It's, uh, there's another one that, you know, it's like a dream, a dream he had, like just before I was born, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's just kind of like fascinating. Um, but it's tough too. Cause I, you know, I, I grew up speaking Spanish. It was like a bilingual household. Um, and I always, you know, I took Spanish in high school for like the easy A to kind of get out of it. And I tested out of it in undergrad. Um, but then as I started to, to read more, I tried reading poetry in Spanish. And I was like, my Spanish is not that good. <laughs> um, so at first, I started translating as a way to kind of learn more and, and kind of get better at it. Um, and I started with, so my library was much smaller. So I started trying to translate like Lorca. Um which was incredibly difficult because he's such a strange, you know, I couldn't separate the metaphor from from the things he was saying. Um, So I talked to my dad and I was like, well, let me like translate, you know, let me see if I can translate some of your stuff. Uh, And at first it was really cool. I mean, it's still really cool, but what I forgot (laughs) was that my parents are divorced and that he might've wrote about that. And that's like a super bizarre thing um, to engage with. You know, it's like, it's like a love poem for my mom. Like when they were still in love, you know, it's like very, very, uh i didn't anticipate that though i should have um so very bizarre um and i tried to write about that that's that's actually why i took the the non-fiction class with you because i was like the poems there's not quite enough space i've written, i have one poem about it really um but i needed like a bigger space to sort of think about that and, and work through it uh i wasn't able to <laughs> It just,
0: it seems like such a rare and interesting thing for a father and son to have this kind of intimacy through this shared poetry, you know, through writing, like a written intimacy.
1: Now as an adult, you know, like my dad will call me, uh, He loves going into the Goodwill. He loves like finding, you know, all the used books and he'll call me and he's like, oh, do you have like this book? And then it'll just become like a conversation about like poetry and literature. It's like really, really awesome. Did I see
0: somewhere on social media that you also had a grandparent who was a poet?
1: Yeah, so um, my dad's mom... So I went to the... Me and my dad, which is cool, we went to a a poetry festival in the Dominican Republic last November. And uh, my dad's mom, who... She died... I I never met her. She died when my dad was like 20. Um, And I didn't know this. We were walking... Down the street and there's like this big radio tower and my dad, you know, he's 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 telling me all these things and like, you know, the place he used to go and what used to happen. And um he was like, Oh yeah, he's like my mom used to to take me to the to the radio station when she would go, you know, when he was like whatever, like five or six. Um and I was like, Oh, like what? Like did she work at the radio station, like what she was doing? She's like, No, she used to be on this radio show and he's like, Yeah, she used to like read her poems on the radio, and I was like stop timeout what like how you never and it was such a bizarre this is another thing this again i tried to write an essay about. It. i couldn't quite and there's like a not finished poem yet this is this was the thing that i was like really trying to write about in your class um was that it's like he forgot or mm-hmm. that like he you know and like seeing the radio tower it like the way he was telling it to me was as if he was remembering it in the moment um mm-hmm. uh, and it was really bizarre because that's a thing, you know, that like he would have told me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I had no idea. Like I didn't know oh. that at all. Um, yeah. And her and she, she, when she had to die, I think in like 1977, maybe. Um, and then my dad's older sisters, that's why they all kind of came to the US because his parents were also separated and his dad was here. And so when she died, they kind of had nowhere to go. So they all kind of immigrated to the U.S. Um, But his sisters cleared out the house. uh, And so we're not sure if they still have, like, if her poems are somewhere.
0: Wow. Um,
1: Hopefully they are. He's not super optimistic about it. And then I don't know if the radio, I don't know. my, My dad doesn't, like, remember what the show was or... But I, I wonder if the radio has it, like, recorded somewhere. Because that would, that would be bananas if I could hear, like, my grandmother's voice. That would be, like, absolutely insane to me. Taking that trip with my dad was really great. Um, he just told me all, you know, I was on my, the Notes app on my phone, just, like, he was telling me all these stories. And it's, it's just, it's all very crazy and, and kind of bananas, yeah.
0: I just wanted to hear those stories so much that I veered off a little bit, but you mentioned that you have, you wrote a poem about
1: translating your father's poetry. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Yeah, from. absolutely. Um, and it's funny. This is so my, I'm off Facebook now. Um, but my dad always shares my poems on Facebook and he's really funny cause we, our styles of writing are very, very different. Um, his mm-hmm. is very much, you know, in, in the kind of Latin American tradition, it's very much, um, kind of like Neruda. You know, it's it's very, very metaphorical. Mm. It's, it's not mm. kind of, usually isn't an I. Um, so I remember, it wasn't this one, but one time he shared one of my poems on Facebook and his, you know, his he got all of his friends in Orlando into, into writing poetry, which is really cool. And, and one of his friends commented and he's like, oh, he's like, I really like this, but it's, it's very different from the way you write. And my dad was like, yeah, my son is very experimental. <laughs> I was like, I don't think anyone... <laughs> in the united states would describe my poetry as experimental um yeah this poem uh was tough to write and then it was tough to share but i did share it with my dad and he he remembers this happening um but it's just my luck that this this was first published in the american poetry review which was like my biggest publication at the time and it was kind of the most uh outing of my dad um uh-huh it's called translating my dad's love poems and it's after Yusef kumunyaka it must have been 98 my mom leaving for work the first night she doesn't kiss my dad goodbye he closes the door softly walks slowly to his office and takes a hammer to the keyboard of his computer as though desperately trying to build something until the letters fly through the air struggling to form the words he cannot. I watch for my childish quiet, unnoticed, unsure of how much time passes before he labors over the scattered keys, scooping them up with small hesitation like a man collecting seashells and striving to pop them back into place to remember where each one belongs. I am so much like my father, and so I too fear love, how I will inevitably fail it, mishandle it, let it fall from my hands, too fragile to survive intact. Years later, I think of him hunched over that keyboard, the same one he used to write the poems I'm now translating, bent over my own computer, alone in my apartment. His words, my inheritance, dim foreshadowing. He writes, today, I will not think of you. Today, I will not think of you. Today I will not think of you. Wow, that's beautiful.
0: It's um, it's interesting. It's probably because you're writing about your father, but it's it's so tender without any of kind of the bite that's in a lot of your poetry.
1: You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It kind of has to be because that's you know, that's an, an embarrassing memory for my dad to to be reminded of. Right. Um. Yeah, my brother remembers that too. Actually, I knew I wasn't crazy. Um. Yeah, and it was a lot, because, like, I remember my dad had this typewriter, and then he had this word processor, and when he got the word processor, he used to, like, let me play on the typewriter, and then he got a, you know, he got, like, a Windows 97 or something, and then, so then I would play on the word processor, but he, like, wouldn't, he was, like, very protective of the computer, you know, what I mean? like, we couldn't be on it unless we were, like, supervised, and it was, it was, like, like his prize thing, and then he, like, smashed up the keyboard one night, and it was, it was, like, he, like even at, Even as like a kid, I was like, like, that's like, I know how much he cares about that, you know?
0: Yeah, he's got to. I mean, every writer does, I guess, but it really comes through in the poem. Ariel, I want to thank you for being here. This has been a great conversation. You're helping us launch QC pod. You're one of our first guests. And I have really loved every minute of this. So thanks. You're going to take us out on a poem, right?
1: And yeah, I don't know if you've seen this is like an actual photo. This like freaked me out and it was it kind of I don't know if it went viral but but it got pretty popular um, cuz it's just absurd. Uh this is on seeing a photo of an octopus in a parking garage. Again, they blame the supermoon, the king tide marching out to war with land, but this is new. The first floor of this parking garage turned into an atoll overnight, and floating in the strange water is an octopus. Gray is death, its eight arms spread straight out like the points of a compass, reaching equally in every direction for a way back home.
0: You've been listening to QC Pod, the podcast about all things Queens College. We're on Twitter at QCPod and on the web at queenspodcastlab.org slash QCPod. Our theme music is Lake Monsters by John Flansburg of They Might Be Giants. I'm Jason Tuga. Thanks for listening.